So here's the deal. Paul's talking today about running the race. What race are you running? How's it going for you? Have you thought about it? Have you actually considered the race that you're running in your life? We're going to be looking at Philippians 3, starting in verse 12. If you've got your Bible, turn with you. Paul says in another place in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians, he says, run the race in such a way as to get the prize. So the prize, we kind of get confused on earth quite a bit. Uh, we think the prize is stuff that we win that we get to keep, but we're going to find out in a little bit. Paul's got a very different understanding, but have you ever thought about the race that you're running as a Christian? There's a finish line, and it's a real finish line. And the question is, are you to in it to win it, get into the finish line? Because the finish line for a Christian is heaven when we... Hope to hear Jesus say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Starting in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Paul says, not that I've already obtained this, or that I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Andrea last week talked about all of these things that Paul had said, that he kind of was a super Christian. And, you know, sometimes we get the idea that we're super Christians or we build other people up to be super Christians. And Paul was basically saying, if you're talking about the best of the best, Paul says, it was me. But you know what? I, I'm not worried about any of that stuff. That isn't what really matters. And so he's going to talk about what really does not that I've already obtained this, that I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He is going to use all kinds of athletic language and just listen to the words and I'll highlight them for you. But he's very much going to use athletic language about it being a race, about it being something that we have to train for, that we have to work for. The idea that I've not already obtained this or am already perfect, we, we hear the word perfect or the word perfection, and we go off in all kinds of different directions. And so often we think as people, we can't do something unless we can do it perfectly. What's the point of even trying if I can't do it perfectly? If I can't do that perfectly, I'm not even going to waste my time or effort. And the fact is, there is no such thing as true perfection here on earth. There might be nearly perfect or as close to perfect as it gets, or you might have the idea that was the perfect meal or the perfect car, the perfect vacation or the perfect sunset or the perfect sunrise or the perfect something. But in fact, it wasn't because it can always be better. And as people, we're kind of caught up in this idea of perfection. And Paul is saying not that I've already achieved perfection. It's important that we understand as Christians that perfection is reserved for the realm of heaven. There is no perfect on earth. There's no perfect person. There's no perfect thing. God is perfect. 
Jesus lived a perfect life. The Holy Spirit is perfect in all that he does. But on earth with people, there is no perfect. And we get so caught up in that. And he says it's because Christ Jesus has made me his own. See, we're living as righteous in Jesus because of what Jesus has done for us. We're not righteous because of what we do on our own. We're not, we're not made perfect because of what we do, nor are we made righteous because of what we do. But our salvation in Jesus makes us righteous before God. And Paul is saying that's what it's really about. It's about in Christ Jesus. It's not your best efforts or, or how hard you try at something. Through our salvation in Jesus, we are made righteous before God. And God sees us as righteous people, but we are not perfect, which is why the Bible says we work out our salvation. We continue to respond to what it is that God has done for us in Jesus in obedience, working out that righteousness or salvation. See, perfect righteousness, that's our goal. But we're not going to get there until heaven. And then even when we do, it's not going to be because of us. It's going to be because of what Jesus did for us. And so for a Christian, it would make sense that we live our lives for the one who makes us perfect when our life is over. And yet so often we get caught up thinking they're two completely different things. I'll deal with heaven when I get to heaven and I'm going to enjoy life while I'm here on earth. But you know, the two are connected. So the idea of perfect, speaking of perfect, here's, here's my story of perfect, right? Because we all, we all struggle with this. When I was uh, in my first call, we we'd bought a house, and we had a big, wide-open backyard. They'd done nothing with it. There was a fence along the back, and then that was it. And I made the decision that I was going to use some of the experience that I had gained in landscaping, and I was going to build us a paver patio. So I explained the paver patio to Deidre. I laid out the plans on paper. I had the dimensions, and I knew exactly how much turf I had to cut away. I knew how far I had to dig. I knew how much sand I was going to need. I ordered all of the paver patios, the perfect number, because I had it all figured out. And then I went over the plans again, and then we started talking about maybe a pergola or something over the top, and we looked for furniture, and I started shopping for grills. And then she asked me the question, when are you going to start? Well, I'm not quite ready yet because I want to make sure I got the plan to get you. I just, I'm, I'll get there. Well, when are you going to start? Well, and she made an observation that stuck with me my whole life. And she said, your, your desire for perfection has paralyzed you. And how true that is. That our desire for perfection, even as a Christian, can paralyze us because we say, well, I'm going to share my faith when I know my Bible better. I'm going to share my faith when I've walked longer with Jesus. I'm going to share my faith when I'm a better person. When you read some version of perfection that we've decided for ourselves, that's when it's go time. And and so Deidre decided to help me out. She ordered sand. But she asked me, how much sand are you going to need? And I said, I think about a yard or a yard and a half. She had no idea what that meant. So she called the company and I came home from work that day. There's 11 yards of sand in the driveway. And I said, why in the world is our driveway covered in sand? She goes, because if you order a yard, you have to pay for delivery. But if you order 11, delivery's free. I'm going to go to work on the patio then. So over that weekend, I cut away the turf. I put down the sand, pounded the papers in, and then we used my whole pickup truck and we hauled it to a building site where a friend was working on a uh, construction project, and he said, yeah, just dump and spread it, whatever you want. Uh, It all went to waste, but the point was it got me to face the way that perfection paralyzed me. 
And I realize how that easy that is to take a hold of us. Perfection is nothing we're ever, ever, ever going to achieve. And so why in the world do we stop ourselves from being any earthly good because we're not yet heavenly perfect? You're not going to get to be heavenly perfect until you get to heaven. And so what we need to do is be earthly obedient so that we can be of some heavenly good while we're still here on earth. At the same time that this paver project wasn't happening, uh, I, I was pastoring, and I was a pastor for outreach and evangelism. And so one of the things that I would do is I'd spend my week in the community at the coffee shops and restaurants and meeting people and just kind of being an out there in the community person for the church and the kingdom. And uh, on Sunday mornings when I didn't have duties or responsibilities up front, I would put myself at one of the two campuses outside one of the doors and just greet people as they walked in. Sometimes folks that I'd met and sometimes first-time visitors, sometimes people that have been going to the church for 50 years. And so it was a nice day and the service had started and I was outside the door and up walked a young man in his probably early to mid-20s and he had on kind of the pajama pants and a dirty t-shirt and he introduced himself and I introduced myself and he said, I live in that apartment right over there across the street. That's my window. It's open a little bit. And I said, well, it's really cool to meet you. Is this your first time here? So I'm not coming to church. How come? He said, well, I want to come to church. I, I really want to start coming to church, but I got to clean my life up first. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready to come to church yet. I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, every Sunday I look out the window and I look at all the perfect people with their perfect cars and their perfect lives and their perfect families that come in the door. And, and uh, I realize that I'm not one of them, but I want to be. And so as soon as I get my life cleaned up, I'm going to come to church. I said, well, what do you have to clean up? He said, I drink too much. I, I kind of do some drugs that I shouldn't be doing. and I, I don't have a full-time job. And he listed the things that he had to get cleaned up. And I said, you know, here's, here's the thing. Those people that you think are perfect that are coming into church, they've got lives that maybe behind the scenes are every bit as messed up as what you feel like yours is. The difference is they realize that Jesus is the only one that can clean their life up. And so why don't you come into church? And he goes, no, I've got to get my life cleaned up. So I said, I'll make you a deal. How about I'll be here, and I, and I ask permission for the next few Sundays to just be outside that door. And I said, I'll be here next Sunday, and I'll greet you when you come in, and we'll walk into church together. I'll sit next to you. Eh, we'll see about that. I never saw him again. He never came back. Tried to go over to the apartment and actually couldn't even connect with him there. And I think how sad is that, that this guy knew what he wanted. What he wanted was to be a part of a church family. What he wanted in his own way was a relationship with Jesus. But he felt like he was not yet perfect enough to be able to even step foot in the door to begin the process of letting Jesus deal with his life. You know, I, I told him that everybody belongs in church. I wholeheartedly believe that, but not every church welcomes everybody. And I said, you know, you need to know I'm going to welcome you. The church is going to welcome you, so please come back. And I realized with my paper patio project, his desire to be his version of perfect prevented him from actually being present where God needed him. And so to my knowledge, he never did go to church. He didn't come to that one, not that I saw and so maybe the question for you is, are you waiting to be perfect or are you willing to be useful? Because we can spend our whole life telling God all the things that we're going to do for him and never accomplish anything that does anyone any good. Or we can say, God, you know what? You love me despite my sinfulness. You love me despite my imperfection. I'm willing to be used by you. Tell me what you need me to do. Put me in the place. Put the people in front of me. Are you waiting to become perfect or are you willing to be useful? Too many Christians spend their whole lives 
waiting to be perfect. Verse 13, Paul says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. These words, pressing on, forget the past, strain forward. You know, Paul was a super religious person. He had all the credentials that all of us could possibly hope for to be somebody in the church. And what he says is, I forget all of that. I forget all of that. And what I'm doing is I'm straining forward to what lies ahead. And I realize that there's a really important lesson in there. We like to, we like to rest on the accomplishments that we think we have achieved in life rather than worrying about what it is that God might have us do today or tomorrow or down the road. It's so easy to decide for ourselves. Maybe we didn't get it perfect, but we got it right. And we just sit back and we kind of hold on to that thing. And the next opportunity passes us by and the next opportunity passes us by and the next person to talk to and the next opportunity to grow because we're so caught up in what we did before. And Paul is saying, I forget about all that stuff. All of that is the past. I'm forgetting about it. And what I'm doing is straining is his word forward to what lies ahead. Everything that's behind you is your past. It's time to forget it. We can learn from it. We cannot repeat it. But we strain forward for what God has ahead of us. And so what are the opportunities that God may be presenting us with that we miss because we're either waiting to be perfect or we're caught up in our own past? What are the things that God might have for you right now, the people that God might have in your world right now today? that maybe you're missing because you're more concerned about who you were or what you did or what you're going to be by becoming more perfect. See, Christians aren't called to live perfect lives. No one in the Bible does it say that you're called to live a perfect life. What we're supposed to do is to grow more and more in the resemblance of Jesus every single day. We're called to make spiritual progress our goal, not perfection. You say, okay, well, I don't know my Bible enough. Are you reading it? I don't know Jesus well enough. Are you praying? My life's too busy. Too busy for what? What are the real priorities? What is the race that you're running? What is the goal that you're chasing? Too many of us spend too much time doing things that just simply don't matter. And and Paul talks about, I've left all of the stuff of my past behind. And that's a really good thing to to be able to focus on what we can do in the future. But for some people, like me, I have a hard time letting go of some of the things from my past. I have a hard time letting go of where I disappointed God. I've got a hard time letting go when I let people down or I disappointed people. I've got a hard time forgetting about where it is that I didn't do everything that I could have or should have for the church. And and so those things just remind me of how imperfect I am. And I have a hard time letting go of them. But Paul's saying even that stuff I have to forget. Because we've got to strain forward to what it is that God has ahead for us. It's a lot easier to focus on how we've sinned or how we failed God. Some of us are wired that, that we don't think about the good things that we've done. We're hardwired to think about the times that we messed up. We call it our Scandinavian humility. That really isn't is what it is at all. But Paul says we've got to forget about and strain for what's going on. Verse 14, in other words, I press on, he says toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Goal here means a finish line like the race that we just ran here. 
uh, goal is finish line. It also means the target that you would use for archery, that there's a bullseye, that there's a, a specific thing that you're shooting for. There's something that you're aiming for. Paul's goal is the resurrection from the dead and a life in eternity with heaven with God. That's the goal that he's straining for. And, and so he continues this analogy of a sports race. And it's important that we think our lives that way a little bit because we're also called up. Upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Winners are called up. You think about the Olympics. Winners are called up to the podium. And then they play the national anthem of the com- country, of the person or the team that, that won the prize. Back in Paul's day, if you won the race, maybe you got to stand on a podium, but you would get a, a wreath and maybe a few, few what amounted to a few dollars. But it was the recognition. But it says the upward call, the sports analogy of being called up by God. Remember a couple of weeks ago I talked about how God exalts us, and when God exalts us, we stay exalted. But when we want to toot our own horn and we want to exalt ourselves, that tends to disappear pretty quickly. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so if we're concerned about standing on the podium of heaven, it isn't because we did everything right. It's because God did everything for us. And when we do that, it isn't even for our own glory. It's for God's glory through us. And it's important that we understand this kind of race that Paul's talking about because it helps us to make sure that we're running for the right thing as Christians. When we stand on that podium in heaven, we receive our prize of eternal life for God's glory. And that makes sense if we have spent our lives as Christians living for God's glory. But if we live for ourselves and if the only thing that we're worried about is our own achievements, I would say the chances are pretty good. We're not paying any attention to the goal that Paul's even talking about here. Verse 14, he says, let those of us who are mature, uh, same word is used for the word perfect. Those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Sometimes we think that we're better than we are. Sometimes we think we're more spiritually mature or spiritually perfect or more spiritually advanced than we are. And, And here's the thing. You don't have to point out someone's fault or flaw there. Just give it time. God will do it for you. God will point out people's shortcomings. If you think that you're more mature or if you think that you're more perfect, God will point out to you, sometimes in painful fashion, that you are not. God will reveal to us our sinful pride. In verse 16, he says, Only let us hold true to what we have attained. What have we attained? Paul had attained an awful lot in his life, and he said, I'm forgetting about that. So what is he talking about? What have we attained? As a Christian, you have attained salvation. You have attained salvation, a free gift of God's grace to you in the death and the resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. That's what you've attained, and it can't be taken away from you. That's what you've attained. That's what we have to focus on. As people, we get caught up in our own idea of success. We get caught up in the things that we think matter. We get caught up in the things that we want to live for, that we want to achieve, that we want to accomplish and get done. And it takes our eyes off of the prize, which is living for God's glory. But what we need to realize is that we have attained our salvation, and it's a free gift of God's grace in Jesus for us. The thing we always need to stay focused on is what Paul talked about all the time, and that was Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And if you're living your life to share the message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, 
your eye is going to be set on the right goal. Because our goals and our search for accomplishment and our desires, those things can get us really, really messed up. Maybe you've been there in your life and you have a testimony like that. Even if you thought you were headed down the right road doing the right thing, if it was all about you, it probably ended up feeling kind of empty. But imagine if all of us, we just start here as believers at the Open Door Christian Church. What if we take Paul's words seriously? What if we take this letter to the Philippians seriously and we think of our lives as training for race day? What if we think of our lives as, as training to be more like Jesus? To understand Him better, to talk to Him more. And, and we trained, we use these words that He talks about, the straining, the striving, all, all of those athletic words. If we trained in obedience to Jesus, if we strained a little bit outside of what's comfortable to study our Bible more, as a disciple we trained to be more and more like Jesus. And, and, and if we strived in our lives to be servants of others rather than expecting others to serve us. I wonder if we, just this group of people right here, if we were able to get that straight. If we strived and strained and pressed on for God's glory. I wonder how in the world, I wonder how in the world we could begin to change the area that we live in. If we focused more about King Jesus and less about king or queen, whoever you are, male or female, and if we worried about serving others in joy, I imagine the kind of difference that our church would make in the world around us. I imagine the difference as people said, wow, those people actually believe what they say they believe. They actually live it. They actually do it. One of the things that I, I always chuckle about, and I've learned not to make them, is New Year's resolutions. I don't make New Year's resolutions because I never carry them out. I, I write them down. You know, I did. And then I forgot where I wrote them down. The top three things that are apparently New Year's resolutions, you get your finances under control, uh, get in better shape, and get on a diet and eat less. Most of those three things become the resolution for next year and the year after and the year that follows until you're like me and you go, you know what, I'm not going to make a resolution at some point. I'm just going to get it done. So why is it that New Year's resolutions fall so short and we, we fail at them? Can I tell you why? Because they take real effort. A, a New Year's resolution about diet, or exercise, or your finances takes real effort. You don't get to just keep doing what you've been doing and see any change. It takes real effort. You have to strive. You have to, you have to strain. If, if it's exercise, you've got to strain against the weights. You've got to strive for this goal that on a day like today, when it's 30 degrees colder than the freezer that you've got in your kitchen, that you're going to strive through that, and you're going to start the car, and you're going to get to the gym, and you're going to get to the weights. You've got to press on and to really realize any difference, you've got to press on. And so many of us just give up because the goal isn't worth the effort. It isn't a big enough, important enough thing for us. So we let it go and say, ah, maybe next year, maybe not. But as Christians, living for Jesus is worth all of our effort. Because Jesus lived and then gave his life for us. And all that he says is, just live for me. Become more like me. Show the world who I am in the way that you live and follow me. Years ago, I worked for a guy. Talk about perfection. I, I worked for a guy who uh, 
was a motorcycle racer. And he was privately funded. He's called a privateer in the world of big-time motorcycle racing. And he had done very well for himself in the business world. And so he had enough money to have the very best motorcycle in this class in the country. Literally, there was only 50 of them made. He had one of them. Uh, he had money to travel. He had money to train. He spent time on the track. He was dedicated to lifting weights. He was dedicated to eating well. He worked pretty well tirelessly for a job to pay for the hobby, and then to succeed at the hobby. And what he wanted, his goal that he let everybody know, is he wanted to be a national champion. He wanted to be the best of the best in his class. And he strived, strived, and he strained, and he pressed on. And he did it week after week after week, weekend after weekend. That was his priority. And finally it came time to race for the national championship. He had won enough small races that he got a spot on the starting grid. And I remember that weekend, it was in Atlanta, and he called me before the race, and he said, it's pouring rain, it's absolutely miserable weather. He said, it's great for me. I'm all right, I appreciate the optimism. Why is it great for you? He said, because I know how to do more than just go fast. I've been biking for so long, and as someone who's a little bit older and a little bit more seasoned, I know that going fast isn't always the right thing. You've got to be smart. And a lot of these kids just know how to go fast. I think this is going to be really good for me. All right, I hope it goes well. He put in hundreds and thousands of hours and, and hundreds of thousands of dollars. But five hours later, he called me. He said, I won. I won my championship. I, I, am, I am the national champion in my weight class. Rain-soaked track. Man, I just, I just didn't stay ahead by much, but I stayed ahead of those kids. I ran a smart race, and I won. Congratulations, that's really awesome. And he goes, yeah, I thought it would be. Who, what does that mean? He goes, I'm standing up on that podium. <laughs> podium, right? I'm standing up on that podium and these, these pretty girls are kissing me and they're shaking champagne and they're spraying champagne all over me and, and there's all these folks that were there at the track that were watching that are clapping and, and I'm the champion in my class of the entire nation. And I realized thousands of hours, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I had given up so much in my life to get there. It's the only thing that I focused on. It's the only thing that I thought about. And you know what the only thing I could think of when I was up there? You know what it was? I said, I can't imagine. I've never been in a place like that. Tell me. He said, my only thought was, is this all there is? He said, it felt so empty. Everybody else was celebrating. And he said, I just stared at him. I'm like, come on, what's next? Is this all there is? And I said, I'm sorry that you feel that way. You've just accomplished something not very many people do. And he goes, then how come I don't feel more? How, how, how come I'm not happier? How come I'm, I'm not feeling more satisfied about this? Because this is all that I've worked for. And I said, you don't want my answer. And he said, I do. It's why I called you. I need your answer. I said, you don't want my answer. You've never wanted to talk about it. He goes, I want your answer. And I said, you've made fun at every opportunity of Deidre and I because we go to church. You've made fun of us because you, you say that I live a boring life. You've made fun of me for the choices that I make. But, but the fact is, I've chosen a different podium and a different goal in life than you did. See, you go to a gas station to get fuel for your bike. I go to church to get fuel for my faith. And you set a goal and you went out and you reached it because you've got determination. But you have found, what you found out is that that goal is the end of the road and there's really nothing there. I've just set a different goal for my life. I've got a different podium that I'm working for. And so he asked, well, what podium are you after? And I said, heaven. One day I want Jesus to say, well done, good and faithful servant, even after I've made a lifetime of mistakes. 
even after I spent a whole life sinning against him. That's what I'm working for. And he hung up the phone. Don't know that he ever went to church. We never talked about it again. But the fact of the matter is, what he was missing was the one thing that truly fulfills us, that satisfies that longing in us, that that puts an end to the chasing of the unending numbers of goals and desire for accomplishment. And that's a relationship with Jesus. He had chosen something else, and he had reached the pinnacle. He had reached the podium, the, the, the highest place in his sport. And what he found was that it was empty. I haven't gotten to my podium yet, but I know it's not going to be empty. What are you racing for? What, what, what is the thing that you're spending your life investing yourself in? What are you straining for and striving for? What wakes you up in the morning and makes you push to get through the day? See, we're all working on something. You're sacrificing for something. You're giving your time. You're giving your money. You're sacrificing relationships. And, and there's a lot of things that you could do, but you're, you're putting it into something. So what is it? You're sacrificing for something, you're believing in something, you're striving for something. When you wake up in the morning, there's a reason that you get up and get started on the day. You're pressing on to something, and my question for you is this. Is that thing that you're working for, that you're straining and striving and pressing on for, is that thing an earthly desire for you, or does it have eternal significance? Because if it's an earthly desire that you're reaching for, you're going to get to your podium and you're going to be all alone and it's going to be empty. But if what you're searching for is salvation and in life and eternity in heaven with God, that's a very different thing because on that podium, Jesus will be standing next to you. So what is it that you're living for? Is the goal that you're living your life for clear to you? And do you get your fuel from coming to church and being with Christians and reading God's Word? Or do you get your fuel from the gas station, like putting it in the car? Does it come from somewhere else? Maybe you feel like a hamster. Maybe you feel like a hamster on a wheel that's running through life at 100 miles an hour and you're going nowhere. You don't have a goal. You've got no idea what I'm talking about. Jesus died for you and was raised from the grave that your sins could be forgiven, that you could live your life for Him, not for you anymore. It's a matter of understanding what your goal is and what you're living for. When we live and strive and strain and press on for the good news of the gospel, and our home is in heaven, then every day might feel like it's been a really good workout in the gym. You might be worn out. You might be tired. You might just feel like you gave it all. But you know what? You gave it all for a cause that was far greater than yourself. And the amazing thing is, God will wake you up the next morning and you get to do it all over again and you've got this energy that you didn't know you'd have at the end of the day before. Because you're living for something that's far greater than yourself. You're not living for an earthly effort. You're spending your time on an eternal cause. And so whatever you do, wherever you are, whoever you're around, Those words of Paul that God has the upward call on you in Christ Jesus. An upward call, just like the podium is looking up. God's got a call on your life, and and, and you're called to be a part of sharing salvation with other people who don't know it, 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 that are living a life without Jesus in in this world that's frightening, and that's confusing, and that's dying, and that's empty, and that's threatening. And, And yet you've got a response to that. And the response isn't your best words. Your response is Jesus and his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins. 
So maybe you've given your life to your own goals. Maybe you've given your life to the cause of the cross and you're living for Jesus. Or maybe you're sitting there going, I have no idea what you're talking about. Maybe you gave your life to Jesus years ago and you've strayed and you've been chasing your own thing and you've reached a couple of podiums and you've found out what I'm saying is true, that it truly is empty. Here's the thing. Uh, for 11 years, for 10 and a half years now, we've preached for one reason in this place and that's to let people know who Jesus is and to help them understand what salvation in Jesus is. Salvation is a free gift of God's grace through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you don't know that, if that isn't what you have attained, I want to pray for you. And if it is and you've strayed, then get back on track and and reach for that race. Run for that finish line. Let's pray. God, thank you for Paul. Thank you for the way that he just understands how the world works. Thank you that he uses language like athletics that we can understand. God, thank you that you make it so simple and so clear. We're called to live for you. We're called to live our life investing ourselves in the greatest cause that has, has ever been known to humankind, and that is the cause of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, for everybody who, who knows that, who's running that race, who's striving and straining toward that goal of, of eternal life in heaven with you, I just pray that through your Holy Spirit you would give us courage, you would give us strength, and you would give us endurance. For folks who maybe say, yeah, I was on my way, but I got off course. I'm not running that race anymore, and I need to go back. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just guide us. And, and some people need to be nudged, and some people need to be need to be uh, handled a little bit more directly and brought back. Whatever we need, God, if we're open to it, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would do that. And then there's those people who don't know Jesus personally. They've They've never given their lives to Him. God, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would just start moving in their heart and as their heart is thumping in their chest right now, they would know that that is You. That's Your Holy Spirit knocking. And God, to every one of those people who is willing to right now accept the gift of salvation in Jesus, I pray that You would make it clear to them that they don't have to be perfect. They just have to believe in Jesus who died for their sins and was raised from the grave that their sins could be forgiven. And for all those people, God, I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that they would have a new understanding, a new realization of who you are and who they are, and that they would have an understanding of the race that they've been put here on earth to live. In Jesus' name, amen. So you get to choose the race you're going to run. Choose wisely. You only get one life to choose it. You get one life to live it.